Hello, Danielle Bean here. I'm just hopping on real quick before the start of today's show to let you know about the free Theology of the Body virtual conference. This is coming up. It's going to take place online April 30th to May 2nd. I'm honored to be a part of it. And my talk is titled Mother is a Verb. And that's where I'm going to be sharing with you about our feminine gifts, the things that we uniquely are called to do as women and the ways that God calls all women to love and serve others in our lives as only we can. I can't wait to connect with you there at the Virtual Theology of the Body Conference. Their website is tobvirtualconference.com. You can go there, you can register for free, get access to my talk and dozens more from some really wonderful, dynamic Catholic speakers. I can't wait to connect with you there. Girlfriends, episode number 269, The Joy of Parenting a Child with Down Syndrome with Erin Thielman. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, I have a special guest who is joining me to talk about her life as a mom of a child with Down syndrome and all the joy that she is finding inside of that. Really a wonderful conversation. I can't wait to get started. Let's go. Hey, girlfriend, I am glad you are here. Thank you for showing up. I am excited to connect with you again right here on the Girlfriends podcast. I have a great conversation to share with you with Erin Thielman, who's a mom of a little boy, sweet little guy with Down syndrome. And she really wanted to come on in time to share about her life as his mom for Down Syndrome Awareness Day. We couldn't make that work with regard to the timing for the podcast. I've just been really backlogged with a lot of guests, which is a good thing here on Girlfriends. Friends. A lot of people are interested in coming on. So I'm really excited to have lots of different guests to share with you in the coming weeks. But we couldn't make the timing work out. But then I thought, why wouldn't we just share about this anytime? This is an evergreen story. So for sure, I cannot wait to share that conversation that I recently had with Erin Thielman about her life as a mom of a little boy with Down syndrome. But first, I want to remind you to get your copy of my newest book from Ascension, It is called Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. We're going to be doing some special little mini book club series of episodes here on Girlfriends, and I want you to be a part of that. So make sure that you get your copy. I've shared a little bit about the book's content on previous episodes, but I'm really looking forward to you getting a copy and you sharing some of your feedback with me right here through the Girlfriends podcast. I I can't wait for you to have access to the book. And right now, pre-orders are ongoing. The books won't be shipping until the first week of June, but you need to get your pre-order in. And why is that? Because there's a special bonus you get if you pre-order the book. You can only get this bonus if you pre-order. It won't be available to you through Ascension after that. And the bonus is a free companion journal. So whenever I put out a book, I always hear from women from all walks of life who want to use a journal with the book, either on their own for your own reflection. It's got a series of discussion questions, chapter by chapter, going through the book for you to reflect on on your own, maybe pray about and just journal on your own. Or if you want to do the book in a women's group, maybe in an informal way with just some girlfriends, maybe in a more formal way at your parish or in your community in some way, getting together with girlfriends, doing this book as a book club together. This companion journal is going to be a really useful tool for you. And it's 
absolutely free if you pre-order the book through Ascension. So you can go to ascensionpress.com, find the book, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. Of course, we'll have it linked in the show notes. Of course, I'll have it linked on my social media, but you can always go there and pre-order. We're really pushing the pre-orders. And let me tell you, pre-orders are an especially good way for you to support Catholic authors. If you like what somebody's doing, a great way to let a publisher know, a great way to let Amazon know that you're excited about a book, excited about the content that this particular author is putting out is by pre-ordering the book. It's a great vote of confidence for that person. So I personally will be so grateful if you pre-order the book and you will benefit too because you will get that free downloadable PDF companion journal that goes right along with the book. You can get it ahead of time and then you'll be able to kind of preview it and see some of the book's content in that way. So pre-orders ongoing at ascensionpress.com. Do not miss out on getting that free companion journal. Make sure you get your pre-order in. And so to get us started on our mini book club that I'm going to be doing through the podcast right here on Girlfriends, today in the second part of the show after the interview, I'm going to read the introduction for you. So those of you who might be on the fence or not sure what this book is all about, stay tuned through the end of the show and you'll be able to hear I'll read the introduction for you. And um, it gives you an idea of the book's content, but also it's a great place to start for our mini book club that we're going to be having in the coming weeks. So what I'm planning to do once the books do begin shipping in those early days of June, we're going to begin our mini book club here. I want you to be able to have the book in in your hands to be able to participate in our mini book club here. So we're going to be talking about pre-orders through the next month or so. And then beginning in June, we're going to do a mini book club right here on Girlfriends. For that little second part of the show after the main segment, whether it's me talking on a topic or sharing an interview with somebody here on Girlfriends, where usually I share some listener feedback, each week we'll focus on a different chapter of Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, and I'll just share some of my thoughts and invite some of your questions. I'd love for you to be able to read along as we go, so make sure you get your copy at ascensionpress.com. I will have the link in the show notes. If ever you feel like you can't remember to go to ascensionpress.com, just text the word girlfriends to 33777 and we will get you signed up to always receive those show notes and all the links that you want in your own inbox. And the bonus is you'll never miss a show. So this is a great idea. Text the word girlfriends to 33777. So we're going to go to the interview now, but stay tuned afterwards. I'm going to be reading the introduction to Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. Hey, everybody. I am excited to have a special guest joining us here on Girlfriends today. Erin Thielman is here with us. Erin Thielman is a disabled veteran who served in the U.S. Air Force before and after 9-11. She later met her husband, Jason, and they've been married for almost 13 years. Together, they have three children, Alexander, Abby, and Andrew. Erin was a teacher until her youngest child, Andrew, was prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome. She left her beloved teaching job to take care of Andrew and her family. Erin is a Down syndrome advocate, a pro-life advocate, and especially enjoys speaking to youth and young adults. You can learn more about Erin and all the good things she is doing by visiting her website, erinthielman.com. Welcome, Erin. I'm so glad you're here on Girlfriends today. Thank you for having me. Thrilled to have you. So I loved watching your story on EWTN and your story with Andrew, but we really wanted to highlight Down Syndrome, World Down Syndrome Day, which just happened by the time this podcast 
is published. It will have happened a, a couple of weeks back on March 21st. But just to get us started on this conversation, this important conversation about Down syndrome, why is March 21st annually deemed World Down Syndrome Day? March 21st is deemed World Down Syndrome Day because of the most common form of Down syndrome, which is trisomy 21. Mm -hmm. Most people only have two copies of the 21st chromosome. People with trisomy 21 have three copies of Mm -hmm. the 21st chromosome. Thus, we have 321 or March 21st. Ah, I get it. This year's um, World Down Syndrome Day fell on March 21st of 2021. So 3-21-21. Oh my gosh. That is so great. <laughs> now I'll never forget the date. I <laughs> Easy to remember. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's talk about your personal story a little bit. So your son, Andrew, how old is he now? He's now two and a half years old. Wow. And he's adorable. People will put the link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com for you to check out the conversations that Aaron has available online. And you can check out this sweet little guy, Andrew. So he was diagnosed prenatally with Down syndrome. Can you just, you know, describe what that was like for you and, you know, a little bit about your experience with your doctor and all of that? Sure. Um, because of my age, I was a little older when we were, when we got pregnant with Andrew and because of that, the doctors wanted me to do some just simple blood work to test for genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went ahead and did it. And uh, the blood work was fascinating, but it did show that we had a one in 236 chance, which is a high, high odds for having a child with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. From there, they sent me to do what's called a free cell DNA test. That test is 99.9% accurate blood test. And that also showed a 99.8% chance of the baby having Down syndrome. From there, I was then sent to maternal fetal medicine doctor, which is a um, doctor that specializes in high-risk pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And that doctor immediately from the get-go told me that because we had a high chance, not confirmed, but a high chance of having a baby with Down syndrome, that I needed to terminate the pregnancy. Oh my gosh. And her justification was because people with Down syndrome had a lot of health issues and they suffered a lot and they were burdens on the society that they came into. They were hard for families to raise. A lot of barbaric and archaic language was used in those appointments. Wow. That's so infuriating to me in this, you know, in this day and age that you would be presented with information in that way. I mean, I... I guess you can share with us in a moment what your response was, but mine would be like, you're no longer my caregiver. Like you can't, you're not taking care of me. You're not, you're not my healthcare provider. This isn't healthcare. Tell it, tell us what happened with you next. So I, in no uncertain terms, told the doctor that I was Catholic. I embodied the Catholic teachings. I was pro-life and I would not be terminating the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Strangely enough, she only pushed when my husband was not present at the appointments. Oh, interesting. And unfortunately, this is a very common tale of women who learn prenatally that their child will have Down syndrome or another different ability. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't understand the reasoning why in, you know, 20... 2021, why we are still hearing women going through this experience. Right. Um, It is, it's eugenics to try to eliminate this 
type of ability. Mm-hmm. So my response was, I didn't have the choice to go to a different doctor. At that time, I was teaching middle school. My husband works probably 80 hours a week. Um, mm-hmm. We had two other kids to raise. And the nearest pro-life doctor was over mm-hmm. an hour away. Oh, gosh. So I couldn't get to anybody else. So my appointments were a lot of lecturing the doctor on providing me with um, good medical providing good medical integrity in my appointments and less on the judgmental aspects. Wow. Wow. That's so insane. Uh, That's so devastating. So difficult, but I can look now and see at what, what kind of a fire this experience has lit in you and what you're sharing with the world. And I can see that God had a plan for that, even though that is so frustrating to hear about any woman suffering in that way, just being faced with a doctor who's speaking that way about her child. So let's talk about that a little bit that, you know, this isn't just something in the U.S. In fact, uh, I think it's worse in Europe with regard to this eugenics, with with regard to the way that people approach Down syndrome, people with Down syndrome that I had, uh, my son's girlfriend was here the other night for dinner and she was talking about it. And she's like, do we use words like extinction? Like they're, they're trying to completely eradicate and eliminate people with Down syndrome. And some countries have actually succeeded in doing that. What, what's the status of that? Uh, in the United States alone, the pregnancies that are terminated because of a prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome is 67%. Wow. In Iceland, it is nearly 100%. So terrible. Staggering. And the rest of the world is in between the 67 to 100. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's Those are terrible statistics. And I can just imagine what that does to your heart as a mom of a child with Down syndrome to have it treated in this way. Like it's something that we need to remove from the face of the earth. You've used your story and you've brought this beautiful smiling face of your adorable son, Andrew, to share with the world in a way that's really making a difference. Without going into politics, we, we should talk about what, what happened with uh, Senator Steve Daines when he was promoting Protecting Individuals with Down Syndrome Act. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Senator Daines is a very close friend of ours. Um, so he, he and a number of other senators supported the protecting individuals with down syndrome act. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that abortion would not be allowed based solely on a prenatal diagnosis of down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So in effort to reverse the eugenics that is being played out. And so he used, he brought Andrew's name to the Senate floor and, um, it was, and then to EWTN and all over C-SPAN. And um, he really just um, advocated. And Andrew was, out of all the senators, he was the only child with Down syndrome that was, whose name was brought to the Senate floor. Wow. That's, That's a beautiful testimony to the way that you have courageously, as a family, been kind of stepping into this battle to protect people with Down syndrome. And what, what a beautiful movement for the good that can be inside of our world today. But I don't want to put just a happy, shining face on all of it because there are some real trials and challenges that you have faced in raising a child like Andrew, who has different abilities compared to his peers. Can you talk a little bit about what that's been like when you're comparing Andrew to some of his typically developing peers? So when we... when mothers have children, it is a normal thing to say, okay, Johnny's moving at the same rate as Abby across the road. And 
you know, they're, they're growing and they're developing at the same manner, but children and babies with down syndrome, they develop at a slower rate. They mm-hmm. learn at a slower rate. So I've had a couple of friends who had babies born around the same time as Andrew and their kids are running and they're eating independently and they're speaking in sentences and we're still learning how to walk with shoes on. Right. We're still learning how to eat finger foods and still signing and saying one word. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's like um, comparing an apple and an orange. They're both fruit, but they're, they're quite a bit different. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm sure that after having two children before Andrew without Down syndrome, I'm sure that's been an adjustment for you because I know by the time I was on my third kid, I was like, okay, we, we got this figured out. Right. <laughs> but this kind of throws a wrench in the works because he's his own little person. That's right. We are, we're seasoned parents. You know, we, we do the third child thing, like, Oh, I didn't do a baby book. Right? <laughs> You're the third child. Sorry. <laughs> you know, but, but we, we feel like we're seasoned parents, but this whole world of down syndrome is just so much, so much more different. And um, there's new challenges that we've never had to face before. So we do have to stop ourselves from comparing Andrew to his siblings or comparing him to anybody else who's the same age. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and let's talk about his siblings, because um, I know for sure, myself raising a, a group of kids, I recognize the fact that my kids are a gift to each other. And I know from, you know, my my siblings now that we're all grown up, they're still a gift to me in ongoing ways in my life. So how how is his relationship with his siblings? How is he a, a blessing to them? And how are they a blessing to him? Oh, this is one of my favorite topics. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Andrew, you know, we had, when he was born, we had to, he spent 30 days in the NICU Mm -hmm. and had a surgery when he was 15 days old. And the kids barely saw him maybe once before his surgery and maybe once after the fact. So they didn't see him the first month. So we sat down with the social workers at the hospital and had to explain to Alexander and Abby what Down syndrome was. Right. And all that we did to explain it was that he's just going to learn a little slower than everybody else that it will just take him a little longer and we have to have a lot of patience mm-hmm. um, and that, which is essentially all that it is. Right. So ever since Andrew came home, they've been like a little mama and little dada. Oh, sweet. Um, when he's, when the kids are home from school, Abby will sit Andrew in his little desk and have um, what she calls Elmo school with Andrew and she'll read to him and they'll scribble together and they'll laugh. And then, with Alexander, um, Andrew and Alexander will play catch and they'll roll the ball back and forth. And Andrew or Alexander's trying to teach him how to say roll, catch, bounce. <laughs> they are reading to him. They are teaching him. They are inspiring him. They are motivating him. On the uh, flip side, yeah, Andrew has taught Alexander and Abby to have empathy. Oh, to have wow. Patience. Yeah. He has opened their world to being more accepting of people who are different. He has That's opened beautiful. their world to being less judgmental than they otherwise could have been. That's really beautiful. Uh, what a beautiful kind of reciprocal relationship there where they're each benefiting from the other. What a beautiful plan God has for giving us kids to raise inside of the context of a family like that. What a beautiful blessing. Yes, it is. 
And speaking of blessings, people with Down syndrome are a blessing to their communities. I know this personally in our community. I knew it inside of my school growing up in our church community. Uh, Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. So even outside of your own experience with Andrew, what's been your experience being part of a, a community of people who are celebrating people with Down syndrome? Well, we have seen you know, in the news, we've recently seen um, the first Iron Man with Down syndrome. We have the first Gerber baby with Down syndrome. I saw that. What a beautiful thing. A DC lobbyist who has Down syndrome. We, we have wow. um, multiple models with Down syndrome, multiple advocates with Down syndrome. So they bring a lot of hope and a lot of joy to the communities. Mm-hmm. When I'm out and about with Andrew, I see the same thing. He goes to mass with me to daily mass quite frequently. And we always see um, the sisters and boy, those are his ladies <laughs> love sisters, and they love him in return. <laughs> that is are, so cute. Um, ever since he was born, just well, before COVID, they would want to hold him and snuggle him. And sure enough, they, they did quite a bit of that. So um, he brought, he's brought them a lot of joy as well. So we see a lot of, just a lot of peace and joy from the people with Down syndrome who enter into our communities and they teach us how to be patient and they, they can change a person's disposition. Mm-hmm. I have noticed people with Down syndrome, when they smile or say hello, you could be the grumpiest person and they literally have the superpower to change a person's disposition better than really most people can do. Yeah. I agree. I've witnessed that myself, that they can just kind of cut right through all of these kinds of social barriers that the rest of us put up or that we might respect in other people. They just get right to the heart of things and want to connect with people. Yes, they do. Yeah, that's beautiful. But of course, each person with Down syndrome is an individual. We're we're not saying they're all precisely the same, but having that element of joyfulness and just really authentic connection at, at the core of so many of these different kinds of relationships that they inspire in us is a real blessing to us in our families and in our communities. Did you experience that? I mean, I think you you shared with me a story about, I don't know if it was the first time you ever experienced, you know, meeting somebody with Down syndrome, but something from early on before you were ever married and before for sure you had Andrew. Can you share that with us? Absolutely. Yeah. So I was a teenager and Mm -hmm. I was sitting in the back of church with my dad. This was a very long time ago. And a little girl with Down syndrome ran up and randomly out of nowhere, just hugged my dad with a great big smile. And afterwards, he looked at me and he said, Aaron, people with Down syndrome really are angels who walk the earth. And that always chokes me. Yeah. That statement has echoed with us every day of our lives. Yeah, that was like a little a little foreshadowing. God was preparing you for what was going to lie ahead. You had no idea, but what what a beautiful gift to hear that and have that message from your own dad before before Andrew was even conceived, but God knew his plans and he had his plans for giving you Andrew. So that's a really beautiful story to share. Um, So, but there might be some people who are listening right now. Maybe even there's a mom who's listening right now that has is facing that prenatal diagnosis or has a friend who is, 
maybe you could speak a little bit to that person right now, because as much as we can say what a wonderful blessing and gift it is, it, it's a very real challenge and adjustment and, you know, adjusting of your expectations and figuring out, you know, new ways of caring for a child. There's a lot there to wrap your brain around. And what might you say to a mom who's in that situation right now, or to encourage somebody who's wanting to be a system of support for somebody in that situation? I would say that if you are facing um, a prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome, or you have a friend who is facing the prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome, to know that it's going to be okay. As you said, absolutely, your expectations will need to adjust. They do have health challenges and some very real and scary health challenges. Mm -hmm. um, Andrew, for instance, had Hirschsprung's disease, which so he had to have his colon and intestines operated on when he was 15 days old. And oh that was gosh. very scary. Yeah. Um, some, a lot of them are born early, can be born, born preterm, but it will be okay. And no matter where you live or your family structure, what I have found is that the community really anywhere in the United States, once these babies are born, the community just wraps their arms around them and they will support you and you will find some of the greatest friends and you're kind of part of the cool club. You're part of the <laughs> when you have this baby. Um, it is hard. It is challenging. And, you know, every day is, is a new surprise. <laughs> what's going to happen. Um, but isn't that parenthood anyway? Um, yes. So it's, it's really, it's, it's going to be okay. It will not be easy. The journey is long, but the tour guide is awesome. <laughs> I think that's wonderful, wonderful words of encouragement. Well, Erin Thielman has been my guest here today. She and her son, Andrew, who has Down syndrome, are such beautiful ambassadors, just a great face to put on this movement of recognizing the blessing that people with Down syndrome can be to our families and our churches and our communities at large. I'm going to have the link to Erin's website along with some links to those videos where you can watch her interviews on EWTN linked up at the show notes at ascensionpress.com. But Erin, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you for the example you are for the witness that you bear to your faith and just the joy of embracing all that God has planned for you. Thanks for sharing that here on Girlfriends today. Thank you. And coming up, we've got some listener feedback for you, but first a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista and a Baptist turned Catholic. As a Baptist, I thought that Catholic beliefs were invented, that they came out of nowhere and had no connection whatsoever to the Bible. I also happened to believe that the Old Testament was about rules, rituals, and sacrifices that the New Testament gave us permission to ignore for a personal relationship with Jesus. It's a long story, but as God began connecting the Old and New Testaments for me, I was stunned by the beautiful consistency of God in the Catholic Church. I can't tell you how exciting it was when God opened my eyes to the incredible ways the Old Testament foreshadows God's plan for the New Testament and for His Catholic Church. In my book, Fulfilled, Uncovering the Biblical Roots of Catholicism, I explain these amazing connections and I share how those connections helped change my life. If you read this book, I promise that you will come away with tools to help you share your Catholic faith easily, answer questions about how your Catholic faith fits with what's in the Bible, and most importantly, grow deeper in your relationship with Christ. 
If you're interested in learning more or ordering a copy of Fulfilled, Uncovering the Biblical Roots of Catholicism, you can do so at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. Welcome back. Now we're at the section in the show where I'm going to be launching this mini book club for my new book that is coming out from Ascension Press called Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. You can get more information about Whisper at my website, on my social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or at ascensionpress.com where you can pre-order your copy and get exclusive access to that downloadable companion journal that you're going to want to use for reflection on your own, in your own prayer time, or together with some other women friends of yours in your parish, in your community, or among your own group of real life girlfriends. And I would love for you to get your own copy of this book so that you can take part in this mini book club that we're going to be doing right here on the Girlfriends podcast beginning in June. I'm calling it a mini book club because really we're just going to spend, you know, just 10 minutes in each of the episodes beginning in June at the end of the show, not replacing the show, but at the end of each show, going through chapter by chapter so that you can participate in this mini book club. And I'm going to be sharing some thoughts and some reflections based on the themes that I am sharing chapter by chapter in the book. So the basic concept of the book is I'm sharing ways that we can connect with God inside of our everyday lives through the people that he places in our lives for us to love and serve through pain and loss and sorrow that we might experience through joy and beauty and happiness, through just the everyday routine ways that we're caring for our loved ones and our families and inside of the everyday things that we're doing in our homes. And I also share some regular prayer practices that I've experimented with and share some of my experiences with those and some some ways of reading scripture and some wisdom from the saints. And then I in, in the end, the last two chapters, I focus on sacraments. And of course, those are the more obvious ways that we can look for and connect with God in our everyday experiences. But really, this book is meant for everyday mystics like you, like me, people who are ordinary people. We aren't visionaries. We aren't saints who are having miraculous, you know, events happening where God is speaking to us or where Jesus appears at the foot of our bed or Mary comes to us and, and tells us what God's will is for our lives. So, you know, for most of us, that's not going to be our experience of God. He's not going to be speaking to us from a booming cloud in the sky. And yet God is real and he is present and he is wanting to connect with you right there inside of your everyday life. So my great hope is that this book will inspire you to look at some of those ways that God is, in fact, whispering to you inside of your everyday experiences. Okay, so in anticipation of launching our mini book club here at the start of June, I'm going to read the introduction to you. So it's the introduction to the book, so it will introduce you a little bit to its content and its style. So this is a way that we can kind of begin our mini book club that's going to take place right here on Girlfriends. So here it is, the introduction to Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, Where God Waits. I used to wake up while it was still dark, change into sweats in a cold bathroom, open up my laptop and hit play. Then I punched and kicked, jumped and lifted for the better part of an hour. I used to take 68 calls a day, chasing deadlines and running on adrenaline. I talked fast, overpromised, and rolled my eyes at questions from people who, for whatever reason, didn't keep up. 
I used to strap one baby to my body while holding another in my arms, while another tugged on my sleeve, and two more fought over whose turn it was to choose the next storybook. I used to fly through grocery aisles, filling my cart with basics and hurrying to swipe my card so that I could get home and throw some of that stuff into a pot before dinner time. I used to rush to church, kneel in a pew, and then sit back in wonder as my mind zipped from here to there and then back again, never pausing for a breath. Because I never did either. And maybe that's why it feels so good to do what I do right now, which is to pause sometimes and breathe. I still do lots of things, maybe even too many things, but I do less. I do less with more intention and deliberation, more care and attention. I do less, but look more people in the eyes. I do less, but think more things through. I type out thoughtful answers to emails I would have deleted years ago because there simply wasn't time. I don't roll my eyes so much. And my jaw almost never aches at the end of the day because I've been unthinkingly clenching it for several hours. I know God was with me back then when I was going so fast and striving so hard. But I can't help but think he was waiting for me too. Waiting for me to slow down and settle in. Waiting for me to look him in the eyes. Waiting for me to stop striving and start diving more deeply. Waiting for the me I am now. And now that I can see some of how this works, now that I can see a little bit of where this is going, I squint into the future sometimes. I want to see the me I will be then. When I catch a glimpse of her, I smile because I know God, ever patient and outside of time, is waiting for her too. I want to go there. I want to go to that place where God is waiting. The other day, I was talking with a friend, another writer and mom who, like me, has been married for over 25 years. She shared that in a recent conversation with her mother, she had observed that there were many younger writers these days and that perhaps it was time for her to write less in order to make room for new voices. Don't do that, her mother had interrupted her thoughts. You finally have something to say. And I think maybe that is what is prompting me to write this particular book. After all these years, after all these words, I might finally have something to say. One thing I want to say is that God is with us. Now that my life is quieter and slower, I see God and experience God in new ways. After all these years of striving and chasing after God, I feel like I am only just now realizing that the place where God is waiting is right here. And he's been here all along. A priest who is a friend of mine once wrote a review of one of my books in which he called me an everyday mystic, someone who sees God in the everyday stuff of life. Those words stood out to me because I do want to be that. I want to be an everyday mystic, not because I want a fancy label, but because that's what I think God wants for me. That's what God wants for every one of us. But I need to work on it. I need to work on sitting still and looking around me. When I do that, I can know that God is right here, so large and so close that I can't possibly take him all in. In those moments when I see that, I write notes in a journal or talk to my husband in the middle of the night or madly text a friend all the while thinking, I need to tell someone about this. So maybe that's what this book is. Me telling you about this. 
I used to think that the ultimate goal in life was to seek God and that it was a hard task. I needed to look through murky waters and strain my eyes to find God. I needed to shout toward the heavens in order to make my voice heard. God was on the other side of a great chasm, and I needed to figure out how to make my way across it. I sometimes read about the lives of great saints and mystics and feel a little bit envious. I mean, when Jesus appears to you in your bedroom of your convent, there's no confusion. There's no wondering about where God is and what his will for you might be. He's right there, standing at the foot of your bed, talking to you and telling you what to do. When you experience rhapsodies during meditation, when you can levitate and bilocate, when you miraculously heal people and read their souls, there is no room for doubt or distraction. You know God is with you, and you are on the right path. But what about the rest of us? The rest are left here seeking God and wondering what he wills for us. We are left striving. It's the striving that I have come to see as unnecessary. What if the ultimate goal in life is not so much to find God, but to find out that he's right here? What if we don't need to seek God so much as we need to stop, open our eyes, open our hearts, and allow ourselves to be found? What if God is looking for us, and yet in all of our striving and seeking, we keep running away? God isn't appearing at the foot of my bed in shining white robes. His voice isn't booming from the clouds above. But he is here. He is with us. There is so much God wants to say to us, so much he wants to show us, so many ways he wants to be present to us, comfort us, challenge us, and love us. All we everyday mystics need to do is open our eyes to see it. Will you stop striving and seeking? Will you sit down with me instead? Let's be still together. Let's stop doing and start being. Let's be everyday mystics and allow ourselves to be found. So there you have the introduction. I hope it gives you a little bit of an idea of what we're doing inside of this book, what I'm looking to explore with you in the pages of Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. To get your copy, go to ascensionpress.com or just follow the links from my social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I can't wait to connect with you through the pages of this book and in the coming weeks right here on Girlfriends as we have our own mini book club for Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. And that's all the time we have for today. But I want to thank Erin for being part of today's show. And I want to thank you for being part of today's show. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for listening. It really means the world to me. It is a privilege and it's an honor to get to spend this time with you each week. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being an important part of the Girlfriends community. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 